You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hey, everybody, we're back in the open with America. Hi, everyone. Hi. And today's topic is trauma. Can I trust my memories? Yeah. I remember when this question bugged me the most. I was in my 20s, in my late 20s. And it was because I I read about this researcher who studies how bad memories are. And she basically came out and said, no, you can't. Our memories are horribly fallible. And I remember being so mad because I felt like she was discounting my memories. So the researcher basically said everything you remember, you shouldn't trust because our brain is basically playing tricks on you. Really bad at memories. Yeah. Makes up things all the time. Yeah. And Um, that it made me so mad because I felt like she was saying that it it was a moment where (laughs) our last episode was about how your trauma keeps coming back. But I was so triggered by the things she was saying because she was I mean, I the way I was interpreting her research was saying that we just make up the trauma that we experience. Like it's that we don't know the details of what happens. And, and, and it's so, it was so hard for me because when trauma happens, everybody wants you to recount all the damn details. I've said this before about trauma. Everybody wants to recount the details because they want to, they want to ask you, you know, how did this happen? And was it as bad as you think it was? Or did something interpret it the way that you think it was? Because that person didn't mean to hurt you in that way. And you're like, I'm sorry, can you really misinterpret sexual assault? But apparently in our society, yes, all the time, which is what we read, right? About legal cases and going to court. And Mm -hmm. so- While you are trying to live your life to justify and remember your memories, when you experience a trauma, your brain is also trying to forget the trauma because it's just too much to live in that space, which is why we dissociate and we are trying to forget, which I call my denial coping skill. Did you did you land um, did you land on this book because somebody was like, hey, you should read this book or did you just like happen to find it? It was an article. There was no book. I don't know if this person, this Mm. researcher has written a book, but her research was very popular at that time in my life. Because I think that at the same time, there were researchers who were talking about flashbulb memories. So do you have a memory in your life where something traumatic happened so bad that you can remember the details, at least what you believe are the details of that day? Like, do you remember where you were when 9-11 happened? Yes. And do you ha- do you feel like you remember the details of that day more than you remember the details of other days? Totally. Yeah. So those researchers talk about this, what they call flashbulb memory, which is that during moments of trauma, we we there are details that get ingrained in your brain. And she was saying, well, in these moments, there are moments where those details can be shaky. What you think really happened may not happen the way it happened. And most of her research was around robberies or being held at gunpoint or like Mm -hmm. being around a situation where someone had a gun. Right. I think falling into the trap of looking at research and learning about psychology that's born out of your trauma is trying to make sense of the chaos in your world. And that research is only going to leave you feeling as confused, confused as your trauma. 
And, and what I've come to in my, in my older age is none of it matters. I think you bring up a couple of, uh, very valid points. One, this idea of when you, when you explore, when you're trying to make sense of whatever traumatic experience you've had, you kind of grasp at whatever's in front of you. Cause you, that's our nature to try to get some sort of order, um, get some sort of explanation that can maybe help you manage whatever emotions you're having. The other side of that is I, I know there's been tons of research that has been used for and against memories that say our, our mind plays tricks on our, on our memories. So you may not be able to remember the person that you think did this thing. And, and you're like, Oh, they had a red hat. And in, act, in actuality, they never wore a hat. And I know that somebody said red hat, you've imp- imprinted that in the memory. Right. So I know there's a lot that can be used to discount our experiences, but I think for me, and now where you've gotten to, right, it's like, it is what it is. It's not going to do anything at this point in your life that isn't going to help. But what I have found in my experience is that there are two types of this light bulb memory that you're talking about. I have some of those, Mm -hmm. but then there are like gaps, there are gaps in my memory yeah. that as hard as I try to think back on, yeah. all I'm seeing is a blank space. Nothingness. Yeah. Years, years of your life, right? Yes. And it's yeah. years. years. Yeah. You're like, can you recall anything that happened to you when you were eight? Right. Right. Maybe not. And I- where this comes up for me is when... Oftentimes when we're, when we're, we are with family and then they'll be like, do you remember this thing? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Dude, I did that to my niece the other day and I could tell she was like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you bringing that up? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm no, I'm sorry. That was really instrumental to me, but clearly not as much to you. And you don't want to remember this night that we had this conversation. <laughs> So I think part of that experience is exactly what you just shared, right? Your viewpoint of X thing happening, what what it meant to you and all that is totally different from my viewpoint Yeah, of the same experience. And it screws with your brain. Like, totally. I hate when my trauma comes back up and people who've shared experiences with me say, do you remember when that happened. And and my first reaction is no. And then I'm mad that I can't because my brain is asking, did it not ever happen? Mm -hmm. Are you remembering it correctly? Or did I make myself forget it? You know, the way that I connect to it is like having something tangible. Like I can hold this thing in my hand and I, and I know, I know that I felt it. I know that it felt this way. Yeah. Um, and then your memory so easily, it can be like, actually, what you're talking about is not when that happened. It's actually this feeling that you had when you were having this other situation come up. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why I love and hate journaling. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Do I want the record of the thing? Does that bring me comfort to go back? Or does it just make it harder for me to move on? I think it can, I can, it, it can be a useful tool when you really don't trust your own thoughts enough that you, 
because of everything that you've experienced, you may want to invalidate your own experience. You may just want to be like, no, that never happened. Yeah. And then you look back and you're like, actually, it did happen. This is what it is. I have a specific conversation in, in mind. I cannot remember the words. I don't, I don't remember the words of the conversation, but I remember the feeling of it. And I was sitting, and this is why it's so vivid to me, because I was sitting and I was petting my dog mm. while I was having this conversation. And it's as if my brain needed to leave. And the only thing that was keeping me calm was like petting my dog. Yeah. And then now was I question. Unsafe conversation. It was it was a it was a safe conversation, but it was a an unpleasant conversation. Okay, unpleasant. Yeah, and I was like, but I don't remember th- I don't remember the words. Interesting at all. That's well, that's why I mean I think that's when people talk about dissociation. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what you're describing is what they most everyday people. You know, I'm sure there's some scientists who would come back and say, well, like actually dissociation, blah blah, blah whatever. Sometimes our brain just checks out. <laughs> Yeah. And and that makes your memories harder to remember because your brain is actively trying to not be in this space because whatever you're experiencing is unpleasant. And your brain, I think, is trying to protect you and says, this is hurtful. Don't remember this. Yeah. So you can just function in this society. It's also true of what you were describing, though, with your niece, where you were like, yeah, you know, this is something that has definitely stuck out for you. And I've I've had that experience too, where people are like, "How can you not remember this? You know, this was this was such an important thing that happened." Oh and, gosh, that question. Like, <laughs> Wait, why was it important? If it was so important, what the hell happened that I wouldn't remember? Or that I'm like, "Wow, that was important that they remembered." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what was important for them? So it, when you ask yourself this question, if you can trust your memories, gut check. Can you trust what 50% of your memories, 80%? Okay, so I think that framing of that question still is in the mindset of needing to validate or justify. Like we only ask those questions when we need validation. Where I've landed because I feel like I can't trust my memories while I also can trust my memories because... I'm I'm not going to say these things didn't happen. Like they happened. They and I can trust that. They I can trust the truth that I know these things happened. I don't need to put a number on it. What I n- do accept is that they did happen and they continue to affect me today. And the most important question for me is how am I still influenced today? And so I've been able to move beyond the truthfulness of the memory. And I'm comfortable with myself today to say, what is my truth today? And how does my truth today affect my present and my future? And that's my only way to get around it. Because if I get too much in a mind stuck where I'm like, well, 50% of it is right. And blah, blah, blah. I think that kind of mind frame works best for my abusers because they want to discount the reality of what we experience or to justify or make themselves feel better about what happened. But that doesn't work for me because being stuck in that, like trying to ask myself, well, how much of it is right or real is is more painful than it's worth. I think for me, I, I, I that framing ties more to my it, it's in some sense, it's tied to validation, but it's more tied to just the way my brain processes things. 
being able to to categorize it. Mm-hmm. Not that things are black and white. Not that it's even if it's if it, even if things exist in a gray zone. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have to be able to say I trust myself enough to be like, yeah, I'm probably about an eighty percent. There probably is some questionable aspects of some of the things that you remember. Not because. Well, one that I know that there are things that I just don't have in my memory. The other is that when when something has been brought to my attention about something that may have happened, like I take that into account and I'm like, yo, I trust the people that are saying this. So there has to have some sort of, they have enough clout for me that I can believe that it is totally, totally the way that they've also interpreted it. Mm-hmm. It was a shock to me that you said 80%. Like, I can trust 80% of my memories. That's like, re- that's really high. <laughs> I was surprised by that number because if I had to put a number on it, I would I would put a lower number on that. But it does remind me that some people do say that, oh, I have a memory like an elephant has a memory. Is that a, Did I say that right? Yeah. You know, like, oh, I have, yeah, right? Some people have the ability to recall historical events better and I know that I don't. And I know that that's, there's a reason for that. Yeah. You know, um, so my number would be low. And maybe that's why I landed where I did as a way to cope with that reality, because I don't know. I don't know what my life would be like if I did trust 80% of my memories and there were still people coming around trying to be like, let me focus on the 20% you can't remember. <laughs> yeah. Cause I have, I have an aunt that uh, when we talk about memories, she'll talk about she remembers things when she was like very small, like one or two years old. And I'm like, how the hell do you remember that? Wow. That's you really know? impressive. And um, I mean, I don't ha- I, I can't go into the depths of my memories to focus on that. But earlier you were talking about how your abuser, that the mind frame of the abuser for you is very relevant in how you're going to navigate this space and how that in itself is used, that position is used to discount your experience. Mm-hmm. And when when my viewpoint is the people that I'm referencing are people that I trust. They're not, they're not in any way people that I feel would go out of their way yeah. to negate my experience. Right. And I've had those too with people who are in my family who've experienced similar traumas. I think it's really hard for people who experience a trauma and there's only other one other person involved. Mm. Because and if if it's a traumatic experience, like if the other person involved is your abuser, then you don't have someone to tell you like no. Right. What you experienced is real. And, and that, that's hard. That's, that's a hard place to be right. Um, To not have someone else to back that up. Um, Because yeah, when I've had other people in in my relationships who have been able to say like, no, that's no, you remembered that, right. Mm -hmm. You know, that it does, it does feel safe or comforting, like (laughs) that you're not crazy. Yeah. It's validating. It's, it's totally good. I will say that as part of recovering from trauma, there's an exercise that I do with a lot with my clients. We just do like a life timeline. So, and we do that. I do this with people who've experienced trauma. I also do this who just need to wrap their head around a lot of complexities with medication and just your experiences and feelings and the way that, that, so I, I ask people to write a timeline, like start as early as you need to draw a line 
and write major events. What happened? What were you feeling? If you were on meds, just anything that comes to your mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really interesting thing because the events that we remember, I do think really shape our lives. Mm -hmm. Those are the memories that shape your life. So what are those key memories? And then it was really interesting for me to do this with my own family members because, yes, it felt incredibly validating. And it's something that I have now, like I keep it because I'm like, it does root me in the truth for my trauma as a way to ground myself. Like I can always look at it and say, yes, this happened. This is what that looks like. You know, when I was working with adolescents, um, and oftentimes they were struggling with with their families and in a range of different ways, like, you know, family struggles of different kinds. Sometimes they were adolescents that were removed from the home. And so they're trying to come back together with the family unit and things like that. And part of the exploration that happened there was in being able to, to sit down from the two different vantage points and say, what has happened here? in a safe space, right? Because it's not the like, no, you're, you're totally wrong. You're misinterpreting everything. And the way you see it is totally like messed up. Um, but more so about coming to a place that I'm going to feel safe enough to tell you, this is my experience with you actually being willing to listen and not interpret it as an attack, not have the need to um, feel attacked, right? And defend yourself. And, and the very good productive and the productive conversations that we had um, when we did that exercise, many times the parents came to understand how whatever happened was not just because the adolescent decided to like, you know, say F the world and I'm going to do whatever. It, it was an outgrowth of whatever was occurring within the family unit. Um, and the only way to actually be able to express it was in this kind of forthright way. You bring a good point up, which is that in memories, you have the facts of what happened, but you also have multiple interpretations, which everybody says, right? Like mm -hmm. interpretation matters, intention matters. Yeah. And and maybe the most important thing about intention or in or outcome is if someone is hurt and how someone is hurt that ties to how trauma and our memories are intertwined, right? Like it wouldn't be as traumatic if it wasn't bound up in some kind of pain. And so what happened and how was it interpreted? It what really also matters is how does it affect you? How does how was that painful? And maybe that's more important than the truth itself. Like this is what I started to wonder recently is does it matter exactly what happened? Or does it matter that it that it caused me this I'm not say pain, but you know what I mean? It caused me to get stuck yeah, and have this negative experience and this negative emotion. And I can't, I can't move beyond that till I work through that. It doesn't matter exactly what happened. It mattered that this became a stuck point for me. And that's, that's my way of letting go of the truthfulness of my memories. So let's think about this for a moment. For people that ask themselves this question, can I trust my memories? I think some of the things that may be relevant to that exploration of that thought is going in with, I'm going to call it curiosity, but that may not be the right word, but not with the focus of 
finding some hard truths, not at all, right? But being willing to definitely explore what kind of what you're saying, right? Like, is it important for me to get to this X point? Or is it more important for me to really uh, understand how it's impacting me today, how the decisions that I come to today are influenced by this thing? And the other experience of that is being able to navigate what this could look like for yourself in a very safe space. Because it's not about at least for me, it's not about going to different people and being like, well, I've seen it this way and I need to understand what you see it like so that I can compare notes and decide on what's worthy. Yeah. But it's more so about, I just need to try to understand how it was different for you. Yeah. But I think in trauma recovery, like getting better from your trauma, there are a lot of people who need that, who need to go confront their family members to say, this happened and you hurt me in this way. And I need you to acknowledge and say it. But when you talk to people about that, yeah, I, I wonder, I don't think it's really about needing to go find the facts. It's about feeling validated. Mm-hmm that something happened and that you are hurt. But, but when, be- we, when we go to our aggressor, when we go to the person who hurt us and we're saying like, this happened, especially if our abuser is like our mother, <laughs> I feel like the parents tend to be like, that isn't how that happened because the parent is defending themselves and, and they're saying like, no, I didn't hurt you that way. I was trying to protect you or I was trying to do something. And what that does is it discounts the child or the person who's coming up to say this, this hurt my feeling. But if what sucks, and I hate this because there's so much responsibility that's put on the child to be more emotionally like reasonable and approach our parents when we're addressing traumatic issues. But I know when I go to my parents and I say to them, like, I don't need to question about the truthfulness, but I'm like, Hey, when you, when that happened, this is how I felt they are less likely to be able, they're not going to say like, oh, well, you didn't feel that way. You know, I think that's why approaching it, not about the truthfulness of the memory, but the impact of that experience might make for an easier way to address whether or not you can trust your memories when you're trying to confront your trauma. Does that make sense? It does make sense to me. The one thing that sticks out that for a person to be able to do that, you have to also be prepared to receive all kinds of responses. Basically go ahead and do worst case scenario. Yeah. So you, you you can reignite um, a lot more trauma because you may not get the response that you, you want. Right. Um, And part of that is, is creating a safety net so that, you know, wherever this conversation goes at the end of the day, I've said what I need to say. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, because I think instinctually people want to go back to, well, that didn't happen. It's the defense mechanism. Yeah, it's totally the defense mechanism. There, there's, a, there's an aspect of it, having to defend yourself and your position and then having to explain away your reasoning why it happened. Well, I really appreciate about this discussion is that it wasn't just about the truth about whether or not I can trust my memories, but that 
the impact, the value, how this fits in the context of getting better and in our relationship. So we cover a lot of different ground. I guess my final thought will be that these experiences are painful. And so we can't control other people. All we can do is do what's best for us. And that's where you have to root yourself um, when you're dealing with trauma, big T, and you are making choices to confront the people who've hurt you or those systems that hurt you. Like, and that's where I think that grief is interesting too, you know, the Mm. grief and the loss and the lack of control. And that's why these things are hard. That's a big final thought. Sorry. (laughs) I'm processing out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go, we're going to go with that. All right. All right, everyone. As I come back to reality from processing. We're going to talk to y'all next week. Hope you have a good one. All right. Keep on fighting the open. Bye.